Hello and welcome to State of Play. I, as always, am your host, Charles, and here today I have honorary... Uh, no, I'll start that again because you're not honorary, are you? No. You, I'm normal. You've fucking graduated now, haven't you? I've graduated from the unwashed masses to slightly above the unwashed masses. I thought you were just burying your head like further under the ocean of just filth and like uh, cretinous ignorance. Well, we'll get into that later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I haven't stopped recording, by the way. No, neither have I. Okay. <laughs> No, uh, so before we start today, I have to admit we don't have my quivers, uh, shock and horror. Uh, he seems to have come down with some sort of strange and unknown tropical illness that's called, what What was it? Lar- laryngitis? I, I don't, I can't understand your northern accent. Yeah, something something uh, tropical and unusual, I'm pretty certain that he caught it off a baboon. So, uh, <laughs> uh. either way, unfortunately, he's not going to be able to join us today. So, when we come to actually discuss the games that we played last week, Chris, it's, you're going to have to really fill this time. Um, I can sing. Uh, can you sing well? No, we can just talk about video games. Because I remember you being a drummer and not a vocalist. It's all similar. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving swiftly along, uh, we've got stuff to talk about this week, amazingly. We do. We've got so much to discuss, mainly yeah. ranting and raving about things that annoy us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's been plenty of stuff to annoy us. In fact, Ubisoft helped us out immediately before this record by uh, kind of releasing something which left us annoyed because we didn't know whether to like it or absolutely hate it. I'm confused. Ubisoft usually release things that I immediately love and then go, but wait, it's Ubisoft. They're Satan. I mean, of course, Ubisoft has an absolutely perfect like track record of releasing every single thing perfectly. Like, there is no flaw when the product first turns up. Like, you play it on day one, and it's completely playable. There aren't any horrible glitches. People aren't missing faces, for example. So uh, it did add to the experience in in not a good way, but well, I didn't know uh, Ubisoft were actually really moving into the horror game genre until I started uh, playing Assassin's Creed Unity. Oh. And I realized, wow, wow. I mean. Uh, this is giving PT a run for its money. Speaking of PT... Yes, yes. This yes. is going to be our, uh, one of our major talking points today. So, I guess, well, you know more about the franchise than me, so would you like to give an intro to this? No. Oh, okay. No, you, you can do it, Chris. I want to see what your impression as a, as a non-Silent Hills fan is. I would say I'm not a Silent Hill fan, I'm just... Uh, I haven't played it as much as some people. I remember playing Silent Hill 2 back in the day and, you know, it was brown trousers time. <laughs> so, PT, as most people know, was a horror game, I guess. It was more of a, a trailer. You could say that. Um, I think there's a few people on the internet right now who might not agree with you. I, I've seen mu- a lot of gameplay of it, um, especially other people playing it with the Oculus. And... The, the footage, just watching someone play it is, I imagine, just as fun as playing it. Well, I never actually played it, because obviously I don't own a PlayStation 4. So... Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am so horribly and utterly crippled by my lack of a PlayStation 4. Yeah, you're all clean. Yeah, strange. But, um... No, I never actually played it. I ended up watching a YouTube playthrough in the end, and um, from what I saw, I, I very much felt that I got kind of the same experience that anyone playing it would have had. That's that's what I felt. I I played a bit of it, but I, not on my console. I played it on someone else's. 
but I mean, I, it's I, I like it. I really enjoyed the experience. I wouldn't. Yes, it's a game, but I would put it in the same category as something like Heavy Rain or, or what was the other one? Something quite similar to Heavy Rain. I'm not sure that you're really taking the right approach there by saying it's definitely a game. I mean, it's just like Heavy Rain, which everyone turned around and said, nope, not a game. No, no, I will defend that because I really enjoyed it. Okay, your choices made no difference, but I really enjoyed the experience. Okay. uh... And there's just going to be a brief period of silence while everyone picks their jaw up. Uh, it's more going to be a case of the, I think, the silent, like that, that one moment of silence before the storm hits. <laughs> Just wait for all the comments. Yeah. Anyway, um, so PT has recently been, well, it was a prequel, well, scheduled as a prequel or a trailer to Silent Hills, which yeah, was due to be released this year. Which was going to be a kind of collaboration uh, between uh, well-known Metal Gear Solid uh, developer uh, Hideo Kojima and sort of overrated director Guillermo del Toro. No, I thoroughly disagree. But carry on. Every single one of his films I've seen since Pan's Labyrinth was has been quite disappointing, with the possible exception of um, what was it called, Pacific Rim? That was awesome. No, I mean I I didn't like it at all. That was I. I I went in knowing I wouldn't like it because it's really not the sort of film that's pitched at me. I mean, it's the same. It's the same reason I don't care much for Godzilla films. Oh dear, we're going to have to stop talking at this point. Yeah. I think anyway. our differences have become irreconcilable <laughs> and we should file for divorce. Oh, not again. Mm. We do this every week. Mm. Go on then. If, if... Um, yeah, so the the real controversy around this one is the unfortunately due to kind of the breakdown in relations between Hideo Kojima and, uh, and the actual uh, makers of, of both, uh, both uh, Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill uh, Konami. Uh, it, it looks like Silent Hills is not going to be a thing anymore, unfortunately. And what did this result in? Uh, a lot of people being disappointed, a lot of people being angry, um, and then a kind of weird aftermath beyond that as well. I mean, I, I remember, for example, when Star Wars 1313 was cancelled, and you got, obviously... I'm so disappointed. I really wanted that as a Star Wars game. And then you got the other group like, how dare they cancel this? This was clearly going to be a great game. They are like completely destroying this opportunity. Uh, and then you, that, that was essentially where it ended with Star Wars 1313. With this one, it's more the fact that there was something out there already in the form of the PT playable teaser that is now not going to exist anymore because Konami are being just completely removing it from distribution. Uh, taking it off the PlayStation Network, making it so that if you have it in your uh, library but you haven't got it like installed on your PlayStation 4, it no longer is available for download. And recently today I also found out that uh, some people have been reporting that if you do have it installed, you can actually not... You have all sorts of problems with the license checking for your PlayStation library. So it, it will cause you to lose access to your whole library if you have it installed. I I could, I'm I'm yeah yeah this I guess you're speechless, is, Chris. I couldn't imagine what would happen if I didn't have access to my games library because I bought something that they went, eh, no, we don't want you to have this anymore. That's just utter lunacy. It's you don't see that happening in and like with any other game in history. Yes, there have been bad games. There have been games that have been cancelled, but to remove it entirely from the public domain when it's already been released. 
that makes no sense because PT on its own, even if you just have that as an experience, even release it as a demo for something like the Oculus or Project Morpheus, that would still be a brilliant experience for a player to have. Just because it's not accompanied by a follow-up doesn't mean it's not worth its own weight in gold. Yeah, you, you, you could just simply... If they really want to dis, like disengage people from the Silent Hills idea, they could even just do something simple, like maybe take it down, take the ending where it has the credits sequence on it saying that this is going to be Silent Hill and just maybe take the credits off it. Yeah, and just leave it as a, a more of an open-ended thing. Just say... Oh, we don't know what happened at the end. Sort of, you know, most horror films do this. And yeah. let's be honest, it is kind of a... I, I keep coming back to it. It is an experience. It is a game, but it's a much more hard-hitting game. One of the best... Actually, yeah, one of the best recent horror games I'll go for. Uh, Second to only Alien Isolation, but that's a different kettle of fish. I'm not going to speak on the topic. I still haven't got around to it. I'm I'm waiting for the inevitable Steam sale where it will turn up for about £5 and I can steal it and go ha-ha to uh, Sega because then I gave them barely any money. Oh, but, they'll, they'll, but they'll still make... They've already made a ton of money off it so they don't care about me anyway. <laughs> Sega doesn't care about you anymore. Well, I think that's kind of the byword with Sega. Sega doesn't care. They don't care about you. It's never been about you. But which game company does, let's be honest? Uh, CD Projekt Red? All right, I'll give you that one. Yeah, that was pretty easy, but it's off the top of my head there. It's, it was almost like one of those, I, I challenge you to name one company, and I'm just like, yeah, this one immediately. But, uh, oh. well, no, EA doesn't care. Ubisoft doesn't care. I mean, Telltale EA, care? Uh, I Come think on. Telltale is, is more a case of, it is partially that, but it's also a case of like that they could look back 20 years from now and be proud of the quality of the product they made. Yeah, not many companies can do that anymore. I think they have a, a perspective on uh, what what where gaming is is going and and kind of the legacies effect of, a, of what a really really good game can do. I mean, within the point and click adventure community, they are already kind of like the top dogs, and they're going to be remembered as the people who reinvigorated the whole genre as a result. But going back to this kind of idea of uh, the fact that PT is not going to be available, this isn't the this isn't the most recent example I can... Well, it's the most recent example I can think of, but it's not the only example I can think of where, for example, EA has taken down like uh, free-to-play Battlefield games and stuff. Yes, I, I forgot about that, actually. I mean, uh, those games can't be played in any way now because they're entirely online games. So this kind of reminds me, I'm probably way out of the ballpark here, but I... I remember us talking quite a long time ago now about uh, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes and how that was a sort of playable teaser for the later game. It's interesting because if you look at the standards of uh, some games that have come out recently, so the game position for the Order... Uh, what's the number tagline on the Order? Uh, the Order 1886. 1886. Don't play it, it's rubbish. <laughs> okay, but if you look at kind of the length of that game compared with the length of content you get in Ground Zeroes, that is the standard for some AAA games now. I mean, then, you look you look at Ground Zeroes, if you do the main story, apparently you can finish it in two to four hours. And I challenge anyone to finish Far Cry 4 in 15 minutes. You can do it. Well, that's that, I think there's a big difference from having a joke ending and having an actual ending that takes you kind of two two to four hours to finish. I think some people have beaten it nearly an hour before. 
Uh, but it, then it also has a few side quests which kind of pad the experience out to maybe six hours total. But I imagine if when you're paying sort of, what is it, hang on, think American, $60, $60, $70 for a so game? So full, full price is what we'll call that. Yeah, if you're, if you're paying full price for a AAA title, you expect, personally, I would expect a minimum of, if it was a very good quality game, the main storyline to be about 30 to 40 hours. It Let's depends. be honest, it, you want value for money. Okay, yes, the world may be pretty, but you may not spend enough time in it. Uh, well, t- to some extent, I disagree with that. Uh, you look at some great games out there that are definitely worth that sort of asking price. Don't don't make that particular requirement. They don't meet that requirement. You look at most of Telltale games, they don't make, meet that requirement. They're still great games and worth every penny. I mean, when you have something that's a very linear experience, you're inevitably going to have a problem with... Uh, the, the, a linear experience naturally moves quicker than an open world environment. Uh, well, yeah, I guess my view is biased because I play mostly open world well, games. I, I wouldn't say it's biased. I'd say that it's more a hallmark of the open world genre. I mean, for example, a lot of people love Bi- loved Bioshock Infinite when that came out. I personally am a bit mixed in my feelings about it. Loved it. But uh, that, for me, me took 13 hours to finish. And I was dawdling, like, looking for every single thing I could and backtracking if possible. Actually, yeah, I am. I totally understand that if it's a more linear experience, then obviously the game time will be shorter. But if enough thought has gone into the actual content of the game, the story, the atmosphere, the entire aesthetic, and that's through voice acting, graphics, just environment design, everything. Fair enough. I totally understand the price tag, but there's a limit. Because I remember buying... Well, I got bought Bioshock Infinite as a present, and now it's in a pre-owned bin for a fiver, or sort of five pounds. It's not; it's mind-blowing how quickly stuff devalues. Well, I think that also is a case of I often find that many linear games have just kind of one playthrough in them. I I don't I don't often feel that I need to go back and finish them again. Like a. Uh, there are obvious uh, examples of that where it's not the case. I mean, I've I've played through Silent Hills two again, Silent Hill two again recently, uh, and it's probably my third playthrough now. And I can honestly see myself playing through it again in the future. But I think many many games that I have in my library, I will probably never pick up again. Yeah. I mean, a good a good example of that being I'm just kind of scanning down the list of stuff here. I don't expect I'll ever play Black Mesa again, which came out recently on Steam. Uh, although it was a free mod before then, I don't expect that I will probably ever play through quite a few of these games, actually. I don't think I'll ever play through the original Portal again. No, I wouldn't. And that that was only an hour and a half, what, two hours long? So it it, it really does come down to this what, what, what each game's going for. If something's trying to masquerade as something bigger, that's when it's a big issue. Yeah, that, that was... A- Again, you sort of come around to the right point. That's the issue I had with Ground Zeroes, and that's not the issue that I had with PT, which seems a shame that PT was a shining star in in its own right, and for it to be taken away, even from people that have paid for it. Actually, no. Did it pay for it? Was it free? It was free, as far as I remember. I can't remember. But I'm surprised, because Konami, Konami are not the people usually to avoid making money. They could quite easily say, okay... PT, as far as we're concerned, in our head canon is is just its own game. So guess what? If you want it in the future, you're gonna to have to pay, say, ten ten dollars for it. 
that's fine. I would be okay with that. I mean, I'm kind of more concerned with Konami's practices. If they're willing to remove the game's existence entirely, in many ways they may be quite willing to remove documentation of the game's existence. So there'd been, as you can tell, just probably somewhere in the hundreds of numbers of games online, uh, of, of sorry, videos online of people either streaming the game or just a, like a, a Let's Play style record. I would not be surprised if Konami started to clamp down on that. Yeah, well, most companies do now. You can only upload certain amounts of footage from the game. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. If it's like a Let's Play style thing, then if you are either very, very small or very, very big, you're probably going to escape any sort of notice. Yeah, because if, well, if you're a big company, they obviously want the publicity from you yeah, to endorse I mean, the game. But if you're small, they're not going to care. It depends. I mean, uh, we've seen in the past uh, quite some very famous people like, for for example, Jim Sterling has had a lot of annoying issues recently with small developers actually thinking that they uh, kind of can bully someone, uh, thinking that they, have, they are kind of like this big bad publisher and they're the people they're going to pick on are just going to run away scared and never trouble them again and immediately capitulate. And then it completely getting thrown back in their face with uh, the, what, what's called the Barbara Streisand effect, where every other person uh, immediately sees what they're doing and rallies to the side of the person they're trying to kind of trying to censor. I think ultimately, Simply, usually because the game's bad. I mean, it, this is, doesn't happen usually when the, the, the creators are confident with their game. If they're really confident with their game, they won't care about one bad review. No, this is what I, th I, I hate to take the side of uh, uh, Bungie here, but that seems to be what they did with Destiny. The, okay, they didn't release sales figures and they avoided a lot of questions about it, but they're so confident with it that they let people put up Let's Plays and guides and everything because they're so confident with what they've made that... Well, well, well I remember... Um, I mean, I've heard, I've seen these companies come out and say we're completely okay with people doing this because it's just going to generate more money for us. People are going to see this and want to actually buy the game. They're going to see it, and they're maybe even are going to buy it. They might even then recommend it to another person. At that point, I think that works to an extent with games that are not story driven. If it's a game like Civilization, which is has infinite possibilities and infinite playthroughs with all different races and that sort of thing, but when you get to a linear experience, which is mainly story driven, which doesn't have a choice system. It, not like the Walking Dead sort of game where your choices change the game and they really matter. If you had well, like a Bioshock I, I, I thing... Would, I would argue they don't, but continue. I think it it's less linear than Bioshock Infinite, say. Yes, exactly. So um, at least your, your actual playing of the game influences it, whereas Bioshock and... I keep coming back to that now because it's actually a good example. The linearity of the story itself regardless of your action. It doesn't matter what you do. The story progresses anyway. I think I think you gave a very good example as well in the case of Telltale Games, because uh, point-and-click adventure games are what I'd... I would honestly say that that's the only time when I would have a, a real problem with a Let's Play. Many point-and-click adventure games, both now in the form of things like Broken Age uh, and Life is Strange, stuff like that, when they don't have a, a particularly large choice-driven element to them, when there is just one linear experience involved with very set and definite puzzles and a very set definite story that is the main driving force going through it, 
to some extent, a Let's Play of that is more... You're going to get far more of the experience of a Let's of the actual game itself from the Let's Play than you would from, say, playing Far Cry 4. Because playing Far Cry 4, has it, it's the gameplay is the selling point, and you being the one playing it rather than uh, the person who's actually doing the Let's Play is what you want. You can, you'll watch it usually and say, that looks fun, I'm going to get it myself, I'm going to ride an elephant into a base and blow everything up. That whereas, sounds like a usual Friday night for me. Yeah, so whereas with, say, Broken Age, for example, the only thing that there is that, that is there is the story. That's, that's all that you're going to actually be encountering the entire thing. And the whole story is there in the Let's Play. There's nothing extra really gained by them playing the game, I find, is that, the problem. That's my point, that if, it's in, if the whole game itself is underpinned by a linear story, regardless of choice, then Let's Plays are not necessarily a good thing. But if it's an open world event, uh, open world game like, as you said, Far Cry, it's Skyrim, uh, Fallout. Your your experience is totally different because because you want to play that game, you want to be that character, and you want to have a completely different experience to everyone else. Well, I I, I remember uh, playing Mass Effect and then getting my housemate housemate at the time to uh, to play it as well, and he'd never played any game uh, that worked on the Mass Effect style model. And I was surprised at just how different the choices he made in the game were compared with what I made by the end of it. And it really kind of brought home to me of even something like that, where the the choices are, are relatively subtle throughout the plot. The whole the overarching plot essentially stays the same, uh, but the individual elements of it change as a result. I I was surprised at just how different that was. So I I can agree with you in that case of where it's not just like an open world game; it is also some sort of uh, some types of RPG style games as well. Well. I think coming back to the point which we were sort of going on about why PT needs to stay in the public domain it's there was a quote that I saw that um, who was it from? It was from GameSpot that said PT would not have been a dazzlingly inventive, bold and haunting creation as it has been if it was bound by the convention's of a modern game. So it didn't actually have to have any of the conventions of following up with a game, so to speak. Yeah, the reason it was so good is because it didn't have to live up to the expectations of another game. Yeah, I, I do maintain that if Silent Hills actually became a game, a game, I do not expect it would have done as well as everyone seems to think it would have done. Um, simply because the hype was so high at this point. And let's put it this well, Konami weren't doing anything to clamp down on the hype either. They were hyping the shit out of it at this point. Uh, it was only when they realised that the project was falling apart on them that they suddenly started to clamp down on it. I, I, I'm, I'm just looking at screenshots from it now and it still shivers up my spine. Mm. I, I'm, just, well, I'm actually quite gutted it's going. Yeah, I think that's generally our sentiment. It's sad that it's going and it's sad what Konami's doing. Um, but Konami is Konami and... If you expected anything otherwise, you're the idiot, quite frankly. They are still the twat, but you're also an idiot. But there's another group of twats involved in this particular story, Chris. Yeah. Do, do you know about who they are? Um... I'll tell you how they are, who they are, Chris. People who own a PlayStation 4 that has PT on it. That's all right, that's not me. I don't own it. Because yeah. guess what? what? Guess what they're doing? eBay. What? They're going straight to eBay and saying my PlayStation 4 has this p- this game on it, which is going to stop existing soon, unless you get it off me. £900, please. 
those people deserve a slap. Yeah. Because eventually, fact, I think it will gain enough momentum that they will re-release it. If everyone starts to think... I don't think it will stay dead, quite frankly, unless something happens to uh, Konami. Well, we can always hope that something does happen to Konami. Hmm. And all their, stock, all their uh, assets get liquidated and sold off to someone. Well, actually, th- who would they get sold to? Probably EA or Sega. Well, the more likely the two is Konami actually just leaving uh, the games industry completely because they make so much money on kind of gambling and uh, stuff over in over in Japan that this, to be honest, is almost a side business for them at this point. But just to uh, name and shame a couple of people that I've just found on eBay now selling their PlayStation 4s. <laughs> uh, is this the route we're going down? Naming and shaming people that uh, just piss us off? Yeah, so I'm going to start with uh, Fatma2010, with an asterisk in the middle. You know who you are. Uh, for selling, trying to sell your PlayStation 4 with Silent Hills. Uh, claiming it's, quote, very rare. It's not very rare. It's just going to stop existing in a while. At this point, there are still thousands of PlayStations, even maybe millions that have them on them. You're just artificially claiming it's rare, and it's not rare. Okay? I mean, you're trying to sell this for £650. I'm pretty sure that comes under the Tra- Trading Standards Act of false advertising. Well, it might not even stop work. It might even stop working once you get it, because, for example, if you want to actually... You're going to have to trust the other person to give you their account details, because this is an online transaction-based thing. And then, if you actually want to log into your own online thing, you're not going to be able to access this, because it's not on their account. And you're going to have to trust them to give you the account details accurately. The, this is just a can of worms we've Next opened. person, Dexter... Uh, selling his selling his for or his or hers, I assume, uh, for nine hundred and fifty pounds. Well, considering I, I I I okay. Before we get too angry, I'm going to move the topics on to something a little different. Well, I think we can just summarise it there by saying that uh, yeah, Konami, screw you. People are getting really angry about it on the internet. Don't worry, they'll release PT at some point again. And people who want to be make want to try and scalp people and make a bit of money out of this, fuck you twice. I am fully on board with this. Now, mm. <laughs> now we're talking about, uh, um, shall we say, consoles being sold on eBay. I had a bit of a a crisis yesterday. The were you playing the game Crisis at the time? No, no. I wish. I wish I had Crisis, but. Um, my PC PlayStation Master Race. Sorry, continue. <laughs> my PlayStation Three. Um, after nine years, is it nine years? Eight years? I bought. I got it the day it came out. I think it was released in twenty third. Oh, two thousand six, November two thousand six. It finally died. The, the... So you're saying that in your household, the PlayStation Three era is finally over. I well, I know you'd like to think that, but um. The disk drive stopped working months ago, so... Oh, right, so you've been playing everything online. <laughs> yeah, basically, and I use it mainly as a media streaming device. Is it a Model 1 or a Model 2? It was a Model 1, the original big sleepy sheepdog of a PS3. Well, just think about it. If you'd bought an Xbox 360, you would have owned seven of them by now. Yeah, precisely. I could have saved some money. I could, no. Um, anyway, I went out and bought a second-hand I... PS3. Oh, wow. Because I, I own so much so stuff. So they're, they're, they're what, worth about maybe £6 nowadays? Well, it wasn't too bad. It was £70 for a slim uh, 120GB PS3. But I've now I've got it. I've still got some old hardware lying around that I've, had, <laughs> I've got some very fond memories of, which is, uh, um, I don't want to admit this, but I love Guitar Hero. Oh, Guitar Hero. And actually, this... I, 
because I've recently seen the announcement of Guitar Hero Live being released for PlayStation and I think 4. Rock, Rock Band 4 has been announced as well. Th- I think this would be a good sort of talking I point think. to talk about why does it s- this sort of game genre goes through so many ups and downs and it's it seems to have died a horrible death but no one seems to talk about it no one cares anymore and then they come up with this awesome idea of let's put a I don't know a live audience in and everyone jumps back on the bandwagon I find it strange I mean it's not hard to see why the uh, rhythm based game died so quickly I mean it's mostly the people who are making them's fault in the first place that it went out almost as quickly as it came in I mean it's it's got to be the quickest genre death that I've ever seen I mean during uh well say a few years ago that I used to play guitar hero a lot mainly with a lot of friends during parties cuz I'm I'm I love rock music so naturally it came to me that this was fun that Look, I can I stop you there you played it with with your friends you may have played it several times a week at best but how many versions of the game did you own? Don't, don't make me tell you. How many? Um, Guitar Hero... Well, on the PlayStation 3, Guitar Hero 3, uh, Guitar Hero World Tour, Warriors of Rock, Aerosmith, Metallica, the 80s... See, Chris, you've completely ruined what I was going for there, because I was trying to say that you only owned one version of the game and, that, and you didn't buy any of the other peripherals, but apparently you were a slavish uh, fanboy. So I was I'm a slavish wrong. fanboy, but because I also play the drums... And I can play the guitar. I don't feel as bad because I can actually play a real instrument. <laughs> so probably the only person who actually has ever played it who can. Well, so. saying that, I play. I, I like to think of myself as a fairly competent drummer. Playing the drums in Guitar Hero, nothing like playing the real drums. I can't do it. I mean, I like to think of myself as a fairly competent drummer. That doesn't mean that I can drum. But tapping on your desk while we're recording doesn't count. Oh, while I'm talking, just you know, tapping your fingers, waiting for me to shut up. Well, that's clearly just a sense of perspective, Chris. So, if uh, you you've got to admit though that Guitar Hero as a genre, it did when it was big, it was really big. Yeah, and it was it, unfortunately it was also big right before the financial crash. Ah, so Guitar Guitar Hero was to blame for the banking crisis. Yes, yes, it was. That's entirely what I'm going. God for. damn it! <laughs> so, hang on, we can pin the financial I mean, crisis it- on Red Octane and Activision. It's not a case of me trying to say that uh, the the reason why they went south was that they came out with a whole bunch of, like, like they saturated the market with endless sequels and spin-offs, had a load of expensive peripherals, and were doing this right in the middle of the biggest financial crisis since the Great Depression. Yeah, I can, I can see why that would uh, spark some yeah. controversy. I mean, they were often, they were almost being the Ubisoft at this point. I mean, uh, for, for the simple reason of that they were spamming out the market with just iterations of the same game. And I'll get to what I mean in a second, finally, the Ubisoft thing. But they were spamming the market with iterations of the same game that outside of maybe the new music tracks and new challenges, there was no innovation from the standpoint of the way you played. It was entirely just the same peripherals the whole way through. They had one huge jump when they went from playing it by yourself to playing as a band. But after that, they had nothing, quite frankly. No. I mean, remember how disastrous DJ Hero was? They tried... <laughs> God, DJ Hero. I, I have never played that, I'm glad. But they obviously they put in a touchpad on the guitar and... Yeah, it, it's not exactly, I don't know, world-dominating in terms of technological advance. 
But still, it doesn't detract from the fact it was a fun experience while it lasted. Oh yes, it definitely was. It was just that it, it, it was very much a one or two game concept to me. I mean, there is only that much rock music out there, quite frankly. Well, I I, I agree with their I agree with their actual model of DLC. I don't say it's very much, but having songs that you could buy that you liked rather than having to buy an entirely different game. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of the games I bought that I saw a couple of tracks on it and thought, yeah, I really like those. Like, I like playing Megadeth and Slayer and things like that. But then it introduced me to a sort of other side of rock that I wouldn't usually listen to, a bit like, Pat, you know, Pat Benatar and even, to an extent, took me back to my childhood with Sum 41. <laughs> oh, wow, I can remember Sum 41 being huge when I was in sixth form. And I successfully went through it despite five of my best friends at the time endlessly playing it. I do not know the name of a single song by them. That is my one of my lifetime achievements. You don't because... know... Oh, dear. I could name probably three albums worth. I mean, there is a moment where you just have to pick a random thing for absolutely no reason or fault of the artist and say, no, fuck you, I'm not having anything to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I know what you mean, though, but the... I feel like it would have been a better model done today, quite frankly. For a start, there's more people who are getting ready to start spending money again. And B, we now have this uh, precedent of what I'd call the cyclical model of gameplay, where you have things like Destiny, which have said the when they've been made, uh, it is Activision behind Destiny, isn't it? Um, sorry, I was taking what? a drink there. Um, Where, whoever's yes, behind... Bungie. Uh, yeah. Uh, whoever's been, well, I meant I meant the, the large producer, but the um, Bungie has been has been committed to a ten year release cycle for Destiny, and I said we are going to continuously update this over the next ten years, and we fully expect to remain profitable. They now would have a precedent if they said we just want to make one game, keep it running for ten years, and slowly release DLCs of new music, new challenges, new updates, maybe new characters, etc. Because I, I must admit I don't I haven't really played anything since the first Guitar Hero. But now having this sort of, well, freedom on with online gaming and always having, uh, always on consoles, you can have this, yeah, this well, drip woo, feed of DLC. Yeah, well, got to love. You we've can, got to, we've got to love those always on consoles, haven't we? That's just fucking fantastic. Thing is, you bitch and complain, but I no, actually, I'm pretty certain I'm right on this one, Chris. We had a huge debate on the Xbox One when that came out, and it's pretty certain which side won, and it was the fuck the always online. No, I was on the side of fuck Microsoft, but okay. <laughs> anyway, but no, having uh, okay, not always. I was on, on the side. I was on the side of fuck Bill Gates because I have a weird fetish. But anyway, okay, I I will. That's gonna haunt me. Oh God. Okay, back back. What was I thinking about? No, no. Okay. <laughs> totally I think I successfully derailed that conversation <laughs> and prevented you from rebutting. Haha. <laughs> right. Anyway, not the not always on online consoles, but the age which you have complete freedom to download DLC, um, access game libraries or cloud libraries. This sort of uh, game, like Guitar Hero, could flourish. That they release. I don't know. Say you buy the base game, which would, for argument's sake always include a season pass. Okay, hear me out. The, that I think it should be a free season pass in that case. Yeah, that should be that's built what, into the business model. That, and maybe you could start with a higher price as a result. But That's what I mean. That's, that's going to easily be made back over the years. And then have games, as music is released um, in real time, 
have the company make that song into a Guitar Hero song, which you can then play while it's in, I don't know, the top 40 or something. Admittedly, the top 40 is utter shite at the moment and always will be. Well, that another is another thing which I think would have had a big effect, which was when Guitar Hero came out, rock music was really seen like a, a kind of a, a renaissance in the charts at the time that has just been completely wiped out by this new wave of utterly terrible pop stars uh, in the kind of trendy uh, teenage audience that you always want to try and hit as a big company so you can leech off them. Actually, if Guitar Hero worked on a similar model to SingStar, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Like The base game for SingStar is free. You buy all the tracks you want. If Guitar Hero worked like that, then maybe they could re-release and reach out to the people that they've missed. It's interesting that when this, when kind of the rhythm-based uh, mu- uh, music game died, that you didn't see things like Just Dance or Dance Dance Revolution or uh, Sing Star, for example, going the same way. There clearly was still some interest there. See, you're sort of saying Guitar Hero went all out, like put mm. all its eggs in one basket and went on a massive blowout and yeah. said, this is what we are, this is awesome, and then it died. I mean, Ubisoft has been making Just Dance the whole way through this without any uh, without any pause whatsoever. In fact, it's the only um, it's the only franchise they've said that they're still going to keep making PlayStation Free games for because they did announce today that they're not going to be supporting uh, the PlayStation Free or the Xbox 360 anymore because uh, essentially because they've moved on. Well, I guess seeing actually, I was looking around the game store earlier that. Prices of PS3 games are now what maximum of eight pounds. Yeah. Now it's so it's they're dying, unfortunately. I would really love to be someone who's just getting into gaming, to be honest, because you have this massive backlog of games that you could play, and it'd be incredibly cheap to get at the moment from the last generation from yeah. PlayStation Three. I noticed. I was looking at the PlayStation Four section, going, "Oh wow, I want to play that." Oh, do I want to play it? Oh, no, I don't want to play it like that. Look at the price tag. I would tag. play it, but I'm not paying £65. So. Exactly. Now, there are not many games I would pay £65 for. I think the only game I've ever paid that much for was the collector's edition of Dragon Age Inquisition because I'm a slavish fanboy and I don't really care what the actual content is. It just has to have the logo on it. See, so. okay, if I said that exactly the same thing to you, but I said the Assassin's Creed Unity collector's edition, you would, oh, yes. you so, would slap me. We Well... Well, speaking on that topic, we've previously mentioned uh, pointless serialization gutting the market with no innovation. Hey, hey, and we've hey, also hey, mentioned. Hey, hang on. Can we, we preface it. Hey, that. Uh, we, wait, we've also mentioned Ubisoft, so maybe it's time to put the two topics together and have a bit of a discussion about the new Assassin's Creed trailer. So, hang on. By discussion, do you mean let's just rag on Assassin's Creed? Because I don't want to be a part of that. Well, I, that's the problem is. I'm not going to rag on the games as a whole because I have enjoyed... I, I particularly enjoyed the Ezio trilogy of games back in the day. but And it's strange that that's back in the day already. <laughs> but uh, it's probably a sign of how quickly the Assassin's Creed has sequelized and started just being very formulaic in terms of its gameplay structure. That, that to me, seems a long time ago, when in reality it's only been a few years at this point. It's because there's been so many games since then. I will... Actually, if I introduce where this is a base to this discussion, and then maybe we can sort of, you know, hit off from there and see where we go. Yeah. So last night of the, uh, is it the twelfth? It was the twelfth. The twelfth of May saw the release of, well, the official reveal. 
Yes, we can confirm for the first time of anyone else in the world that there was a trailer last night and it was on the 12th. Yes, it was... What was code name? I have to repeat, it was on the 12th. Just, just, have you got that? It was on the 12th. Okay. All right, all right. Jeez. Have you been drinking too much caffeine? <laughs> I've actually been, I haven't drunk any caffeine this week. <laughs> oh, well, kudos. It's been horrible. That's all right. I, I'm sat with a beer. It's fine. But thankfully, I've got Ubisoft to cheer me up. Way. Anyway, um, Assassin's Creed, the next Assassin's Creed game, which was codenamed Victory. Um, I say codenamed, everyone thought it was called Victory. But uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Now, Charles, imagine Assassin's Creed, Victorian London. Yes or no? Is it just going to be exactly the same as the last two Assassin's Creed games with some new landmarks? Is it going to be stab this guy in the face? Yeah. Um, I hope not, because... Are they, are they going to give us a ship again? Uh, yes, in the middle of London, my dear boy. Uh, no, I, I object. I, I, I quit. <laughs> I'm not interested. See, they I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You, you innovated to a stage that we really enjoyed, and then you t- took the boat away, and you lost me at that point, because I loved the boat. Well, who, who doesn't love being a pirate? Well, I loved being able to escape just these metropolitan environments where I'm playing a grumbly white guy who's out for revenge. Okay, so... In I'd 18- rather go be a pirate for a while. <laughs> Move to Somalia. I'm sure they'll, they'd love you. Hmm. So, 1868, Victorian London. With... Um, what is good now is Assassin's Creed has two main protagonists. Two main playable protagonists. For once, involves a woman. Which yes. I'm thoroughly in support of. Are you? Most some of the internet weren't. No, I think. It's and by, that. by by that I mean idiots on the internet weren't. Yeah, screw you, internet. Learn to be tolerant. Well, it wasn't that. It was it was the same thing we got when we found out recently that I think one of the next Call of Duty games is going to have a, a an optional female protagonist, or it was at least a female uh, voice at some point for one of the one of the player characters. Uh, and you had idiots immediately like, oh well, clearly corporate has just gone out and made them include this for the sake of tol- for like for diversity. Why can't you just let them tell the story they want to tell? And you're kind of there going, maybe this is the story they want to tell. Have you ever considered that and not just decided woman therefore bad? <laughs> so that was our rant on gender equality. Yeah, might as well get that one out of the way. But no, I I like the fact that we've got a female uh, a female protagonist. It's the first time that we've had a full game in their series, which actually has an at least equal uh, main character that's female. Yeah, which so is we, a breath of fresh air, quite frankly. So they are two. They are uh, twins, uh, Jacob and Evie Fry. And as I said, it's set in Victorian London. Um, before I get to the bad points, which there are some, now, if we think about okay, history lesson now, Victorian London, during the Industrial Revolution, now... Previously, Assassin's Creed has been about mainly, you know, the Templars and the Assassins, always this religious war about the creator and, you know, it kind of got monotonous after a while and you stopped caring. Blah, 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 Templars, blah, 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 Assassins, blah, blah. Yeah, pretty much. But now, there's what I would like to say is the world seems to me to be much more dynamic. There is much... Because of the Industrial Revolution, there's going to be a much more diverse power base for potential storylines 
to go along. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if you're setting it in London at the time. At the time, being when the British Empire was probably at its pinnacle, uh, you're going to have a kind of a melting pot of diversities because we have stuff coming in from India, which the Empire still owned, Australia, South Africa, Canada. You could have an excuse to have all sorts of different characters and plot lines based around that. Uh, unfortunately, they have decided to cram in as many cameo characters from the period as they possibly can, which isn't great. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty certain Queen Victoria is going to turn up at some point. Um, okay, let, let's let's do a compliment sandwich. We started off with good. Let's go to something a little not so good. To be fair, I don't um, have much else that is good. Um, yeah, oh no, I've got quite a few points. Um, so, you know, we've had, uh, what's his, you know, that guy, inventor, Da Vinci. We had Leonardo Da Vinci in the, uh, the, the Ezio trilogy. Did, did you enjoy him being there? I actually kind of did, to be honest. Um, just because he was essentially, the, he was one of very few characters that were on your side that was like a historical domain character. Most of the historical domain characters were antagonists, and it made sense why they were antagonists. So like, um, what were they called? The uh, the Borgias uh, and, and the Pope, as a result. They are kind of being vilified by history, so they were an obvious fit for that role. Whereas Da Vinci was was very much on your side, and it, and it actually gave some sort of reconciling these extra things that they all wanted to throw in. It got a bit tenuous after this in the uh, in Brotherhood, but it did actually seem to have uh, a reason, and it did actually seem to be justified within the setting. See, uh, in the uh, okay, I'll admit now I've read the Assassin's Creed books that go alongside it by Oliver Bowden. Um, Why would you do that to yourself? No, Assassin's Creed Renaissance is actually a very good book because it fleshes out Da Vinci and Ezio's relationship a lot more and why they're such good friends and how they know each other sort of thing. Friends, but in huge air quotes. What I was going, what I was sort of aiming towards is, um, obviously this game will have cameos, um, which most games do now. So what we've had confirmation of is Charles Dickens and Charles Darwin. Okay, the first one, can kind of understand how he could do that. The second one, nope. Why, what What reason would Darwin have to be... Darwin, Darwin lived in the countryside for most of the era and was a notoriously ill, slightly depressive man. Oh, uh, and, <laughs> but, uh, okay, now, now we've sort of swept that under the carpet. So yes. what it's going to have is two... As we said, two main playable characters. So are we going to see something like in GTA V where you bounce back and forth? Yes. Uh, what they've said is that you can play as either Jacob or Evie and switch between them during the open world segments of the game. And then during specific uh, story missions, you will be restricted to one character. So like, That makes sense to me. I mean, they could even do something in GTA V where they bounce back between characters within the actual story. So they sort of their stories intertwine throughout the game world. Yeah. So, for so example, you I played a mission on GTA Five recently where you had to uh, essentially just break in and steal an exec, uh, steal someone who has been held in a, a skyscraper. Where you started out the mission being the I think it was Michael flying over there, and then you switched to Tre uh, I think it was to Trevor to try and no I got that the wrong way around. It was Trevor flying over there and Michael breaking into the building, um, and you basically just switched between them from the story prompt whenever the, it was their relevant time. So they could quite easily do something that, I mean, especially in assassination missions where it would really test your skills to how you can coordinate these two different people. And talking of coordination, 
Uh, Ubisoft has confirmed that this will come a shock in the modern day, especially with how Assassin's Creed Unity went with the online play. The Syndicate will only be single player. I don't see... Okay, firstly, I, I completely celebrate that because I'm not necessarily an online gamer and I like it when people try to make experiences which are designed just for one person to experience. But uh, I don't know, that seems like shooting themselves in the foot if it's, if it's like a really popular facet of previous games. I um, We could do a whole episode on um, if we can get Mike and Robin on this. On, on decisions Ubisoft have made. Uh, not on that, but on the transition to online gaming that we've we've all had to an extent, but and I, I kind of resent. But anyway, continue. <laughs> what my experience anyway, especially with Assassin's Creed Unity, that having as you said in GTA, you can things like you can do heists and things. In Assassin's Creed Unity, you have a similar concept where you can play with a friend and do co-op missions in the same game world, and you have to work together. Which adds a whole new dimension to the Assassin's Creed gameplay. Well, before we go any further, can I ask for clarification on something? Does that mean that outside of missions, you'll be able to have people... I'm not sure if actually this was in Assassin's Creed Unity, because I never checked. You can have people drop into the same uh, sandbox as you and play alongside them just dicking about. Um, I don't know about the dicking about side, but I definitely know about the missions. See, dicking about is one of the, my favourite parts of the open world games, so I think it really would enhance the experience to keep that in. I think you can. I just can't remember. It's been a while I mean, since I played it. I especially would like it if it kind of forced you to play one of the two. Like if you had two people in the same world, one of, one of you had to play one of the twins and the other one plays the other. Just because it's logical. This, that would be a good thing. Obviously, if you don't want online multiplayer, fair enough. Or why not have the, the same method that Far Cry did? You can only have two people in online multiplayer. Just you and a friend play the game. So it's kind of like going back to the uh, is it the Army of Two, whatever it was called, game back, yeah. in, back in the other day, where you it was entirely designed for a multi multiplayer uh, setup, but just with two people rather See, than like a open to eight or sixteen, thirty-two, etc. More achievable thing for especially people like me who don't have a. I say it sounds sad now, not having a massive friends list on PlayStation Network. I mean, I find it incredibly difficult to get six eight, six people together for a raid on Destiny. That's incredibly difficult to get you all at the same time, all in the right place. I don't Whereas, know if I even have six people on my Steam friends list, quite frankly, because I regularly delete people. But uh, but then they said, on. obviously, London is a lot bigger than Revolutionary Paris. So they've said they want to focus on creating the biggest city-based open world game they've ever made. and Which will I, immediately be outclassed by Just Cause Free, but continue. But the thing is, with... I found my major problem with Unity is the map is a complete clusterfuck. It's just it's just copy paste and doesn't have any actual relevance to the real city it's trying to be is the problem. I no, I'm more specifically talking about when you open the open the sort of you know press the touchpad and open up the map of the the world. Oh, you mean all like the, the, the icons scroll of icons that makes it impossible to pick one thing out. Yeah, obviously you can filter it, but then when you filter it. In my mind, I always think, have I missed something? Like, am I running past another objective I could do? I, I hate this idea, though, as well, of just padding out the map with, quote, content, where it's go find a box or go find a feather or something like that, or go find a banner. 
Oh, I really what... resent that sort of artificial content where it's it's entirely just busy work that no sensible person would ever want to do if, if there weren't something ridiculously unobtainable at the end. That really pissed me off. The fact that I went to... Obviously, I like to get achievements, so I tried to collect all the chests. Um, so while I'm walking through a district or whatever, I will go and find the artwork and collect the chests. But as soon as I tried to get one of the chests, it told me that I need to go through a locked door. And to go through that locked door, I need a lockpicking skill, which I can't get until I'm a higher level. So I'll have to come back to that area at a later date. Well, it so, should, they should have just not had it appear on the map then, because otherwise it's just wasting your time. So I did that. I waited till I was a higher level, went back, opened the door, walked through it, got to the chest inside, and that was too difficult to lockpick. So I had to come back <laughs> again. And it's just like, you know what? Fuck you, Ubisoft. Stop. I, I can understand making me work for an achievement. They've but effectively there's... made you work three times as hard for a random chest. And it only contained like 300 francs or something. It was stupid. At which point again, you probably had about three million francs just kicking around. But, yeah. Uh... If you're going to make something really hard and difficult and long to achieve, make it worthwhile. Mm, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so it will be released on the 23rd of October on PS4 and Xbox One. Um, I, I, tell you, I, I tell you what I guarantee is going to happen to me two seconds into playing the game. Yeah, it's just like I, I, every other game. Well, I'm going to walk out, I'm going to go, wow, look at this highly detailed, incredible, atmospheric new sandbox. I can't wait to think of all the things I'm going to do. And I'll take one step out into the road and get run over by a carriage. Yeah, or I'll run out and go, what's the what's the button for stab? And stab a random guy in the face accidentally. And then a policeman shoots you. Yeah, I, well, I hope firearms play a bit more of a, a role hey, in Hey, hey, that's a slight... We should have listed on the advantages. Policemen with cotton the accents. Hey, actually, uh, that's a good point. Is it, um, how bad do you think the accents are going to be? Uh, we Pretty can say bad, this. to be we honest. We can say this as being British. I mean, um, I I never expect good accents from Assassin's Creed because, well, maybe that's unfair. I mean, Assassin's Creed 2, through uh, uh, to Assassin's Creed Revelations, had ridiculous, uh, ridiculous Italian accents the whole way through. Which gave them a great excuse to use Mario jokes as well, but uh, I, I don't think that there's going to be any sort of like great improvement. I mean, the American accents were just kind of boring, average American accents in um, what do you call it in Assassin's Creed Three. Unity <laughs> rather stupidly had American accents for French people. That's one thing that really annoyed me about the entire game: that when you're out in the street, people are speaking French, but yeah. when you go into a story mission. They just speak English. I could and no, not even an accent with it. If it was English with a French accent, fair enough, just so I can understand. But there was no continuity between the game world and the story. It's a bit of a segregation between the two. I mean, I, I liked the example of say The Witcher Two, where there was literally about six different spoken languages in the game, and then you could just get any combination of language and subtitle. You actually ended up wanting to have. I mean, one of our friends, Rob, actually ended up playing through the whole game with, uh, I think it was po- playing through the game in the Polish language of English subtitles. Yeah, so I think we've said all we can about Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I mean, um, well, my, what I'm going to say is it's probably going to be incredibly buggy on release and everyone's going to be really under underwhelmed by it. So that's, that's probably why I'm not going to end up playing it. But still. Um, another quick thing um, that which will interest you as well I'm sure you've read about Charles 
the you know uh, we're both fans of Telltale. Uh, the yes. Walking Dead season three not going to be released in 2015. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy about that because I still haven't finished season two. But they said that instead of releasing that, there and and I quote, "What I'm seeing this week, will, hang on, wait, what I'm seeing this week will be and is insanely cool." So Telltale are walk, uh, walking, walking there. Anyway, there Chris is walking they must, dead tonight, they, folks. <laughs> pretty much, I've had a long day at work, but they they, they seem to be working on something else. What uh, could any, it be? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of wondering what it could be. I'm, I'm kind of hoping for the Wolf Among Us two, quite frankly, season two of that, because I'm quite a big fan of the Wolf Among Us. I mean, I've read the comics it's based off. Uh, do you think it might be a uh, continuation of Game of Thrones? I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. I mean, it's a huge moneymaker for them. It's, if you put Game of Thrones on anything these days, you're just going to get like showered in uh, in a combination of gold, blood, dragons, and whores. So yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to pass up any opportunity to get a wider association with that brand. Uh, is there any other news you'd like to tackle? Here's a good idea. Are they going to manage to get six uh, seasons of Game, game of Thrones, uh, the Telltale game, out before he actually writes another damn book? Probably. Yeah, at this rate. Uh, hopefully he's not... I, I say this with the best will in the world. I really hope he doesn't die like Robert Jordan. I would probably not say that because he got really, really angry when an interviewer asked him that once. Uh, like, I think his exact words were, anyone who says that to me, fuck you. <laughs> See, it's I like really the guy. fucking disgusting that you're going to conjecture about my death. I think what he actually said. No, well, I, I guess what the report. I, di- I don't know much about this, but I guess what the reporter was trying to say is, we like your content so much that we just want it to go on forever. Just take it that way. Well, he's probably been said that he's probably heard that so much online and been said had that said to him so many times in interviews that there's like that's just going to boil up in you one day. And he's so rich and influential now within. Uh, within fiction, that he doesn't actually have to care anymore. He can do what he wants. We'll buy his book. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, Chris, as we're rounding up to about an hour now, we've got a couple of things to cover. Uh, Before we do that, I'm going to ambush you with something, uh, which I prepared. So, uh, it's been confirmed that Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X 2 Remastered is going to be released on PlayStation 4. Are you going to get it, Chris? Yawn. Well, you're going to see why I think that's relevant more in a second. But, uh, Chris, I wanted to have a quick discussion, just maybe 10 minutes or so at the most, about what you have said in the past that you dislike Final Fantasy in the... Uh, I think it just bores you, it doesn't appeal to you. I wanted to I wanted to know what exactly is it about the series that really make, makes it just a turn-off for you. It's... I guess my introduction to Final Fantasy wasn't the best one. It seemed like um well, during, which, which which game did you play first? I think it was Final Fantasy X. Okay, continue. The actually my first in, it, interaction with Final Fantasy was one of the was it one of the movies or is there more than one? Uh there are two movies as far as I remember at the moment. I think there is also an anime series, but uh, I've it, never watched that. It was one of the movies that I got shown and I was so mind-numbingly bored by the end of it. I just had no inclination to pick up the game. <coughs> Spirits Within. That Actually, yeah, it was Spirits Within. <laughs> uh, Spirits Within has nothing to do with Final Fantasy as far as I'm concerned. It just has the name and that's it. But then again, every Final Fantasy is so different from the previous Final Fantasy that you could argue that that it's so so close to what I previously said that it makes no difference. So, 
Yeah, any, any, I just, I don't like... Was it turn-based combat? It's been so long. Yes. Uh, it was turn-based combat. Um, it was just overly... It wasn't self-aware stupid. Like, if a game is silly, I don't mind that. The, the problem is that I think very few people interpreted Final Fantasy X as being silly. They saw it as like a, a game about trying to avert a, a looming apocalypse. I, there's only so many times I can have sympathy for that, though. Mm. It's I don't know. I guess my major turn-off for me, that this will piss off a lot of people, is the fan base for it. It's such an exclusive... I, I feel it's such an exclusive community of people Obviously, I'm not talking about you, but people that like that that game series seem to be so up their own ass about why it's the best game series ever that I just go, you know what, I don't care. Well, it- I'm in the unique position of, well, not unique, but relatively rare position of enjoying Final Fantasy, but not having it be my favourite game franchise. I mean, don't get me wrong, Final Fantasy X is one of my favourite games. Uh, which is why it's interesting. It, I'm, I mostly was asking out of curiosity. I have no, I don't particularly, I'm asking to get you with an aha moment, like, you don't know anything about this game. Look at how great I am and how great <laughs> it is by extension. I'm kind of more just wondering, like, what is it that turns people off about JRPGs of this fashion? Because I can see at times when people will say to me, oh, I didn't like how it, the, the tone at times veered back and forth between this kind of silly, daft moments uh, for example where one of the main protagonists eats too much and starts choking and this is played for laughs and then almost one like a minute later you're dealing with the fact that maybe all the people he was just sp- spoken to have been killed yeah it seems to be a bit to and fro I mean I, I am a fan of it more because of the sum of the whole rather than there are occasional moments I don't like about it uh, I feel some of the moments that a lot of people pick on it for, like, um, there's a very famous laughing scene in it uh, that everyone sees, like, takes as an example of poor voice acting. Of, like, this is, these are people, are actually voice actors trying to laugh and just sounding stupid. When in reality, the whole point was that they were, that it was forced laughter in the game. They were trying, they were trying to force themselves to laughter, actually, because they hadn't laughed in so long. Ah. Which, which kind of clears that one up, but. There are other things people don't like. Like the gameplay can be a bit illogical. Like, well, that's far fantasy, though. I mean, you you check your brain out of the door for that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, one of the main characters fights using what effectively is a volleyball, and it's okay. one of the most powerful weapons in the game. So uh, I can understand when why people don't like certain aspects of it. I I don't know. It's it just seems to be a game franchise that I've never really, I haven't invested enough in. To care enough, like for instance, it's the same argument that I've got against Final Fantasy. I guess that you sort of have against Assassin's Creed that it's not a bad game. They're not bad. It's just not your thing. I completely disagree. For the first kind of five games, I really liked the franchise. It's just that the franchise, in my opinion, has not moved anywhere since then. Yeah. It okay. Has, oh, sorry. First. Uh, First four games, I didn't like Assassin's Creed 3 that much, and then I liked Assassin's Creed 4 again. Uh, beyond that, it, it seemed to me just be kind of retreading the previous ground in just a new setting. And whilst the settings are nice, I really come into games for the storyline. I don't come into them entirely just for the gameplay, with ex- honorable, honorable exceptions of things like Dark Souls, which I really, really like as well. Uh, I, I can shock you. There was one Final Fantasy game that I honestly thought about buying, 
and trying okay. to get into it. Actually, which one do you think it was? Was it Final Fantasy Thirteen? Uh, I don't think so. Was it um, a Realm Reborn? Oh, Final Fantasy Fourteen, a Realm Reborn. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. That it's amazing that it is simultaneously one of the worst MMOs ever made and one of the best MMOs ever made. Because it was, do you know the story behind Final Fantasy XIV's original release? No, I have no idea. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV was uh, effectively a sequel to Final Fantasy XI, which is the first Final Fantasy MMO. Um, I played it quite a bit of it back in the day. It was an okay game by MMO standards. It, it suffered slightly from coming before a lot of the formalization of the genre. So a lot of stuff that World of Warcraft popularized, it came just before that. Or it came parallel to that, so it didn't incorporate any of it. Um, so it can be very difficult to get into nowadays because of just how different it is as a result. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV was an attempted sequel to this that was effectively made under a mandate from Square to get this out as quickly as possible. I think they had an absurdly small like development time that must have been about six months for an MMO. That That's absurd. That's I've seen tiny. MMOs... I've seen MMOs take five years to make. Like Tabula Rasa took five years to make. Uh, the Old Republic, I think, took four years to make. Um, they made this in six months, and it was terrible. And rightly so, because if you make an MMO in six months, the fact that you have an MMO at all is an amazing achievement. Um, so it was so bad that they had to... They essentially fired their whole team, took one guy from it, as far as I remember. I might be wrong on the specifics reconstituted a new team and basically had them... They, they updated it significantly and rewrote the whole thing. Eventually they rewrote the whole thing to the point where they actually ended the game. They had a final conclusion in battle, took the whole thing offline for a while, rebooted it as a Realm Reborn, and then continued the story on from there where they'd ended it. Oh, wow. And it's been a financial success. Uh, and it's the first version of the game, which you can't play anymore, was considered one of the worst games ever made. That's not too bad, I guess. But it is strange to think we were talking about uh, preservation of games. MMOs, there is no preservation available of games. I mean, the very a good example of this is World of Warcraft Vanilla. The original Vanilla of World of Warcraft doesn't exist anymore. There's, there's no way to play it anymore. It's a completely different game as of the Cataclysm expansion. So, uh, yeah, so that's just a bit of background about uh, Final Fantasy XIV and uh, why it was both Square's biggest like a uh, pie-in-the-face moment and also a thing which basically meant it so they can afford a lot of pies. And I'm going to end all pie-related puns at this point. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask. Yeah. Can we take a two-second break? I'm dying for a wee. Okay, cool. Just leave it recording. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm about to wet myself. Yeah, that's fine. Please don't leave that in the recording. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get rid of it. I really hope he closed the door, listeners, or we'll have to listen to him peeing. Ugh. Sorry about that. It's fine, I haven't gone anywhere. I was I was so desperate. <laughs> anyway, um, do you want to wait for five seconds and then start? Oh, uh, we may as well just start again now. So, Chris, last uh, last time I set both you and Mike a challenge. Unfortunately, Mike isn't here to fulfil his end of it things. So, what game did you play? And 
what about what about it do you think modern games could have to learn? Um, so I played the reboot. Okay, I went for a reboot. I played uh, Abe's Odyssey, New and Tasty. Mm-hmm. The, the this was a one of the first games I ever played on PlayStation One was Abe's Odyssey, and it used to terrify me as a kid. It was so creepy. I don't know why. Probably shouldn't have been playing it, but. There was an odd atmosphere about it. I I played the original. It was almost uh, a, a sci-fi. It was a comedy, but there was a horror undertone to it. it to me, it was less a case of uh, the usual what people think these days is horror, which is jump out in your face and scream, go ooh ooh ooh, look, are you scared? Are you scared now? Are you scared? I'm going to go hide behind the door again. Uh, and it was more a case of going. Uh, th- th- there's a distinct feeling that something is wrong. And you can't quite put your finger on it the whole time. You know what the situation is. You know what you're trying to achieve. But something about about the backdrop and the setting to this, something seems off, quite frankly. Well, the whole background to it was that it was going to involve the genocide of an entire species just to, mm. for a meat product. I mean, that's terrifying. It's, it's alarmingly terrifying by PlayStation game backgrounds as well, when you think about it. I mean, uh, the, the mo- by comparison... Games alongside it were going with plots like, oh, all the monkeys have escaped from this circus and they've become super intelligent. Stop them in time. Or, hey, you're a dragon and all the other dragons have been turned to crystal. Go touch them and wake them all up. Also, there's a guy called Gnastic and Nork and we're going to take this seriously. Oh my god, I loved Spyro. Actually, I might have to replay that and do a little review for that. <laughs> but um, what what could we learn from a game like Abe's Odyssey in the modern gen? Um, having buttons that don't do anything other than amusing little noises. Yeah, yeah. Well, me, fart noises are just always amusing. Yes. Uh, I mean, fair enough. Nowadays, you might not. You might be using all your buttons, but if you don't, there's no excuse not to have that last button do something silly. Well, I think I like it. It's a it's a two D linear platformer, but I guess what I can't say anything more. What we could learn from it. It's it's simple, but well done. It, the, the games can be simple and just terribly done. Like I find a lot of a lot of indie games at the moment on Steam are they've got potential, but they're just so badly pulled off. Well, the problem with many of them is they're so quickly rushed to market that they haven't had any time for refinement whatsoever. The concept might be good, but there's nothing behind it that's being worked on. Yeah, well, this I think can take. The biggest lesson we can take from this is a nostalgia is a big thing. I'm not talking about well, remaster- yeah, we've we've like we've seen that from the ukulele Kickstarter, uh, the Banjo Kazooie spiritual successor. That that's gotten a load of money just entirely fueled by nostalgia. But then I think the biggest thing that we can take from Abe's Odyssey specifically is atmosphere. As we yes. said, it's creepy, but it's still got that silly element to make you realise you're playing a game. I can't think of many other dark comedy platformers, quite frankly. That seems like a relatively unique element. And it, it may be, to an extent... Well, to an extent, a problem is that the 2D platformer is all but dead uh, outside of very select remakes of, and uh, kind of uh, deliberately retro games like, say, Shovel Knight recently went for kind of a 2D platformer. But it was more of a, 
uh, a game that harks back to something like, say, Castlevania or DuckTales rather than just a, a more a jumping puzzle-style game. Yeah, um, actually, I've recently played Never Alone as well, the PlayStation 4 game that was on PlayStation Plus. That That's a 2D platformer with set in the um, Inuit sort of uh, mythos. That that was really good, but what... Yeah, yeah, so mainly atmosphere is the biggest selling point for me for a game such as Abe's Odyssey. I remember in my childhood it was terrifying, yet funny, and still, it obviously it's not scary anymore, but it's still got that atmosphere that makes me question... It's like, yeah, this is silly, but underneath, it's quite dark. So the atmosphere of everything working together, the combination of the art style, the the voice acting, how the Madoc can speak to each other, and the And the, the, overlords. Uh, the final gameplay as well. And the gameplay, yeah, it's not the most refined of you press jump, you fall down a hole. It happens. It's fine. In fact, I attempted, I think, two years ago to play through the original on, on an original PlayStation, and I suddenly realised, wow, I had so much more patience when I was a child, because I had game, and that was it. I had this game, and uh, I didn't have any other options. So what what have you been playing? So I remember you left I, it off as a sort of tantalising teaser for this episode. Well, I've been playing a couple of things. I've been playing one thing which was a completely random thing which I chose, and one thing which was related to another game I'd played, but I hadn't actually played it. Uh, the original version of it. Okay. Um, I, the first thing I did is I went to an emulator site and I look. I just looked up the random like top wanted uh, ROM, well top uh, top requested ROMs on there, uh, and I I ended up in the PlayStation section as well because I thought, well, you did PlayStation, I might as well see if there's other PlayStation examples, and it could kind of be like a things we have to learn from the PlayStation era, um, and I ended up playing two times. I ended up playing. Uh, a really, really random and completely freaky and weird uh, Japanese platformer called Tomba. Have you heard no. of that game, Tom? No, I haven't. Uh, well, let's just say this. The opening uh, cinematic to this game involves you being a young anime-styled boy in an anime-style cartoon with long pink hair and spiky teeth wearing only, like, a green set of pants uh, charging after a pig trying to eat it. Yes, I do remember this. Yeah. Now you've said this, that, I do remember this game. It's freaking weird. It is weird. It is weird. And it only gets weirder as well, because the entire plot is that there are seven evil pigs that are trying to take over the world, and they've stolen your grandfather's bracelet off you or something. That That's that's your plot. That's back when your plot could just be an excuse plot. Ah, Tomba. Yes, I remember yeah, with this. exclamation mark. It's a, it's a weird game. Um... What I the one thing which I liked about it so it's a, it's a it's a again it's a kind of two and a half D platformer I call it which is a bit of a strange genre to be in it's it's kind of a there's been many games that have done this since it's essentially a two D uh, side scrolling platformer where you can jump into the backgrounds and work on multiple levels I remember and the, some of the flowers look like arses yeah that was kind of weird. I must admit. And the pigs um, are evil. Oh god, the pigs are evil. I do. This is. And you have a mace to knock them out. It's it, it's just like a game. It's like, it's a good game in terms of the game mechanics. But you could make this up. You could make any game like this just by stringing random adjectives and nouns together. It's like a. I could look on my shelf here 
and go, okay, I've got a game about a monster. It's a monster from a fable. Uh, what is it? Oh, it's it's it's, uh, it's in the way of a kingdom that a young boy is trying to get to, whose name happens to be John F. Kennedy. <laughs> but uh, you, you can just, you could just build this game from just like looking at a random series of, of like, of, of just flicking through a dictionary and poking a, a random word and just adding them together. I remember that if, was the first mission in it called something like the hundred year old wise man and the voice yeah, acting, yeah. there was a monkey in it. And the voice acting is just them sort of mumbling, and it's terrible. Yes. Oh, God. So the thing I think I say that we could learn from it is um, is, is a willingness to be something different from the rest of your crowd, because it was clearly a very different title. And a lot of people, as far as I can tell, do remember it in, in a very positive light. The other way, the other thing I would say is, if you're... If you're ever make a 2D platformer, just because you're limited to two dimensions uh, in, in terms of the uh, kind of going left and right, up and down, uh, you can still go into the background and utilize that for puzzles, etc. Um, also, being able to jump and cling on to things in a platformer is immensely satisfying. When you fall off a pit and you can still possibly save yourself by clinging to the edge like a real person would when jumping, that to me makes so much more sense than you just plummeting needlessly to your death. Yeah. And the other game I played was... I played the sequel to this, uh, but I hadn't played the original. I played Croc, Legend of the Gobos. Uh, that's one I've never played. Yeah, that's that's a quite good little game. Basically, it's a it's a 3D platforming game uh, back before they'd figured out how to do 3D platforming games on the PlayStation. Oh, I mean, it, it's it's inexcusable because Mario 64 had already kind of figured out how to do this, but it ha- it suffers from a lot of problems. Firstly, the camera controls are terrible. Um, the can the way you jump is very kind of imprecise, and you kind of float around a bit of where you're actually directing yourself. And if you run, you kind of run like you're on a slippery ice floor, which doesn't get any easier when you get to the actual ice level. <laughs> um. What I will say, though, that it's an example of a game which maybe could have... It didn't have that great polish in terms of the gameplay and the controls, but it has an utterly charming setting. I will say that. It's got a great art style. It is a bit of a cutesy art style that's based around kind of um, a series of putting circular orbs together. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. There is a specific um, name for that very briefly existing type of uh, graphics that they've used in the day. Um, But I think what we could... Yeah, I think that's limited what we could learn from it, is just that uh, don't do a 3D platform with the way that the PlayStation 1 did. Well, I d- see, now you've said about getting an emulator and playing Tomba, I'm probably going to do that. <laughs> well, Chris, I have another challenge ready for you this week, so I wouldn't get too ahead of yourself. You might have to be busy trying to fulfill this one as Go well. Go on, then. Uh, I, I'm assuming so, this challenge extends to Mike. Uh, if he turns up, yes, we shall see. In fact, if he turns up, we'll ask him to see what this, that game about the uh, the evil genius thing, which he is yes. talking about. We'll, we'll get some details on that. However, your challenge is pick the genre of games you like the least. JRPGs. Okay, play one. Oh, do I have to? And tell us how you could improve, what you think the genre could do to make it more accessible to gamers. Uh, mm, okay, this this could be a good chance for me to play some. Not because I know I don't like JRPGs. Maybe maybe pick something a little different that I don't usually play. Yeah, so that was kind of the point of what I was thinking. Um, I will try and do it myself. I mean, I can't think of many genres I absolutely hate. I think 
you can I think bullet hell shooters are probably at the top of my list. I don't mind shooters where there's a story and like a an objective that appears to have a clear effect and logical reasoning behind it. But when it's just shooting for the sake of shooting, that's when I kind of despise the game. Um, can't think of many off the top of my head. Borderlands. I mean, board, well, Borderlands <laughs> has too much personality to make it hateable. I just kind of find it boring. Oh, that's the problem. Um, in fact, Borderlands Two, when I briefly played it at one point, was even was actually relatively engaging for the little time I had with it, just because it was so in, it was so much more interesting than uh, than other games can be with its characters. Um, I have a think about on that about that one. Uh, possibly something like a like a, a dance rhythm game or something. Or a racing game for me, something like that. Mm. I mean, there are racing games that I do like. Is the problem as well? So, uh, like, I I love all the Mario Kart series. Um, so I I will have a think on that as well and see how I go. I'm gonna actually have a quick look on Steam and just see if there's anything which immediately sticks out to me as utterly detestable just, and horrible I'm, in every single. I'm way. just imagining you later this evening. Setting up your webcam and playing Just Dance or something. Yeah. Is it? Well, I wouldn't be. Re- I wouldn't record it if I was going to. Let's put it that well, way. It my my ego is far too delicate. Anyway, so I think that's kind of us done for this week. We've we've kind of hit our a lot of times, so to speak. You got an extra length episode this week, people. Mainly because I took a pee break. Yes, yes. Your bladder forced us into overtime, unfortunately. So, I'm not sure where we go from there. Uh, we should probably round off. Yep, so uh, thank you for listening. I'm Charles. This has been State of Play. Say good say good night, Chris. Good night, Chris. And uh Yeah, just I'll I'll go yeah. now. Okay, bye Chris. Bye. Just leave, Chris. You're not welcome here out of recording hours. PS Five Fantasy Ten Two sucks.